0: Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, coming at you with another episode all about art, creativity, and learning. We all could use a little creative nudge every now and then that will prod us, encourage us, and give us a shot of inspiration. Well, Artistic Accomplices is the podcast that gives you just that, that gives you the small doses of motivation and creative encouragement as you make, create, play, and live. Like I said, I'm Eric Scott and I'm sharing my thoughts on art, creativity, and learning. And I'm going to interview artists, writers, educators, and much, much more. So like the gym buddy that motivates you to hit the gym on a regular basis, artistic accomplices is that little voice in your ear telling you to hit the studio or pull out the paints or pick up the pen. So let's dive into our episode today. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I'm really excited about the episode. Well, I guess I'm, I'm I'm excited about all the episodes, but today's episode has a very special place for me. And I think it's because this is something that I have been thinking about and planning and trying to figure out for a really long time. And... It's just now that I think the, the ideas are really starting to gel and I, I'm excited to share what I'm going to share today. So today's episode is all about creative blocks. Um, and last time on the, on the podcast, I shared about the creative myths, the creative misconceptions that, that a lot of people have And today I wanna talk about how those myths and those uh, misconceptions sort of rear up in us and can lead to these creative blocks. So I wanna talk specifically about those. I'm not gonna get into uh, too much about how to overcome them yet because I wanna save that for future episodes uh, because what I'm gonna talk about today is gonna take a little bit of time and I don't want this to become like, you know, a three or four hour episode. So I'm gonna kind of chunk it up. I'm gonna introduce these, these notions and kind of what leads to these creative blocks. And then in future episodes, I'll go in a little bit more detail about how we can work with them or move past them. Um, so that's what I'm gonna focus on today. This, this notion of how these myths and misconceptions that people have about creativity how they manifest as creative blocks. So on last week's, or not last week, so on the last episode, I had asked this question, you know, if everyone is creative, why do so many people just believe that they, that they are not? And I talked about those myths, those misconceptions that a lot of people have about how they believe that creativity is for special people, you know, geniuses like da Vinci and Einstein, or that it's about special endeavors, special fields like the arts or uh, marketing or advertisement. And uh, also it could be about like, it's a God given talent. It's either you have creativity or you don't. And then the final one was this notion that, you know, it's creativity is all about freedom, free expression and and letting go and and going wild and crazy. Uh, But I think a lot of people use these notions as ways to just prevent them from prevent themselves from being creative so kind of where does that come from why I mean why do we do that why is it that if we are all creative that a lot of people go to such lengths to to deny that creativity and so my goal is to help people reconnect with that creativity to to gain access to their innate creativity and for me i fully believe that creativity is a spiritual act i know last episode i was talking about these myths and i talked about it being much more mundane and in a sense creativity is mundane because we all have it it's all around us and in our daily lives we have this mundane creativity but when we become aware of it we can raise our creativity we can raise the quality of our creativity and so that's what i want to focus on if creativity is this this spiritual act how can we become more aware of it and when i speak of spiritual i'm not necessarily meaning religious even though i think a lot of religions um, touch on it. Maybe they don't use the word creativity, but I think really creativity helps us create meaning in our lives. So when I think about spiritual, that's what I'm thinking about, that spiritual really means this quest that people have to find purpose and meaning in their lives. And for some people, that is a very religious act it is a very religious thing and for others it's just more a spiritual or more they might not even call it spiritual they might just say you know that's just part of life and by creating the meaning by creating the purpose I think a lot of people um, find that that wholeness that completeness that meaning of life that we hear about and I, I believe it's it's this kind of quest for understanding, to understand our lives and connect with who we are, connect with our purpose and create some kind of meaning. And I feel that's why there's a, there is sort of this drive that many people have. And I've noticed this a lot. uh, You know, I travel and I teach a lot of adult classes. So I'll go and do uh, art retreats. I've got one coming up out in Portland uh, in next month uh, at art and soul which is has been around for a while and what i find is that a lot of the students that are in there are like middle-aged to retired and i think it's because we get to that point in our lives where we we're like okay i'm looking for meaning you know sometimes you hear that term midlife crisis so i think sometimes people have a midlife crisis with creativity and they realize that, hey, I have not been paying attention to this, this most, one of the most important parts of my life. And and they want to go back to that and they want to find that meaning. And so I think, you know, as people, as people grow, you know, they, they, as most people get married when they're young, they have their children and, you know, they, they work, they do these things. And sometimes they get too busy to kind of even think about this or You know once the children are gone and maybe you've you know you've retired then it becomes like okay now what my life is kind of empty now i need something else and so i think a lot of people turn to creativity in one form or or another so whether it's uh quilting or sewing or cooking uh, or turning to music or woodwork or home improvement and i think that's why there there is this you know kind of big surges of DIY shows and reality TV that's based on making and doing things is that people want to create, they want to use their hands to make things, or they want to use their voice to say things, they want to write things, they want to, they want to have a contribution to this world. And that helps them find a lot of meaning and purpose. So, you know, yeah, a lot of religions kind of espouse this notion of finding purpose and meaning in your life. And with a lot of religions, it, it, it is this notion of more of a, of a selflessness, of doing good, of uh, helping other people. And so I think with creativity, a lot of times that's, that's kind of our, our, our motive is that, yeah, I'm doing this for myself, but I'm doing it so I can share it with others so that I can inspire others so that I can uh, make things for somebody can so that I can share my passion with other people. And I think a lot of religions sort of connect with that with that idea of being selfless. And I think that creativity can help us connect with that feeling of, of selflessness, because if you have ever done anything where you kind of felt like you were in the flow, or you were in the zone as they say then you you have felt that so athletes feel it all the time creative people feel it all the time and it's when time just sort of melts away and you, it, it really can feel magical and i think that's why a lot of artists and creators talk about creativity in such magical or mystical or mythical terms is that, that that when we are in the zone we are fully present we are very aware of this moment that is right in front of us and I think that's, that's something that creativity does very well that I haven't seen addressed a lot You know, because a lot of times people are talking about it being this very mythical kind of, oh, you're you're it's a God given talent or, you know, either you have it or you don't or only special people have it. But I think if we can get present with our with ourselves, then we can really, really connect with our creativity. So how do we do that? Or what prevents us from doing that? Um, Now, I've studied a lot of Eastern philosophy, mainly Buddhism, and Buddhism is all about kind of being in the moment, of uh, not allowing your thoughts and your, your emotions to cloud your mind, to cause you suffering. And um, when we do that, when we allow our thoughts to run away, when we allow our emotions to get the best of us, we become very unconscious, that we're not aware of ourselves. And so in Buddhism, um, the ego is a big part of that. And, And if you've ever studied any kind of psychology like Psych 101, I know I took that in college, you might be familiar, familiar with the ego. So the ego is our sense of self, but the ego, especially in terms of Eastern philosophy, is more of an illusion. It's not who we really are because who we are is, is much more than that. Um, we're, we're very much like everyone else and we're connected to everyone else. But the ego separates us. The ego wants to define us in a very specific, limited way. And it's, it's because of this, it's because of our thoughts and our feelings and our attachments formed by the ego that block us from this flow. And that can be a very difficult thing to overcome. And so it, it, it might not even be so much about overcoming it, it's about becoming aware of it. And when you become aware of it, the quality changes. So your relationship to your, your own creativity can change when you become aware of how the ego steps in and keeps you from accessing your creativity because creativity can challenge the ego so the ego is all about how we identify ourselves and a lot of times the ego is about you know making ourselves right so that we can feel superior when we make somebody else feel wrong or we put other people down to make ourselves feel elevated or sometimes people kind of reverse this and they create an identity all about being the downtrodden, about being uh, lower than, about about being worthless. And so, you know, anytime you have this sort of cycle of thoughts, and and I know, you know, most average, you know, the average person does have this almost like a tape, Uh, going on in their head this loop going around and around and around and these thoughts consume us that's the ego because usually what's happening is that the ego is somehow strengthening our identity uh, whether it's through complaining or comparison or judgment or all these other ways that the ego is challenging us or is uh, um Um, clinging on to this identity and so when we challenge it the ego kind of rears up so a lot of people have this like nagging need desire uh, want to create but for so many people the ego wins out because the ego doesn't want anything that's going to challenge it because you know there's risk involved with creativity and so If you risk something, that means that you risk failure. And the ego doesn't like failure. It doesn't want you to fail. It would much rather you just never try in the first place. And so, you know, a lot of times people do kind of feel like, well, the ego, that's who I am. Well, no, that's who you kind of think you are. It's not who you really are. And when you can connect with the present moment, that's when you touch and connect with who you really are. So when you can kind of cease that endless churning of emotions where you're focusing on the past or being anxious about the future and you can really focus on the now, then you become very present and you really touch what a lot of people, a lot of uh, uh, philosophers and spiritual leaders call consciousness that you become fully conscious of yourself and everything around you. You're not lost in these thoughts. Um, and so th- the title of this episode is Creative Blocks. So I do want to address that, but I want I, I want you to understand that I don't really believe in something like Creative Blocks. Like, now I'm not saying that there's no such thing, um, but I think what has happened is that, is that we've made the creative blocks and writer's block, especially into this like thing. And so I'm not saying that people don't struggle, that people don't stall out, that people don't come to a point where they just don't know what to do. But I think a lot of people talk about writer's block and creative block, like it's some monumental thing. Like it's some invading force from, outer space that that sets down in your soul and prevents you from working but if we can really see creative blocks for what they are it's the ego stepping up it's the ego trying to convince us that we're no good or that we'll never succeed or that people won't like it so whenever you may have heard of the imposter syndrome that's the ego like rearing its ugly head and And you know, that ego has worked very hard to build up this identity, you know, think about it, you know, your entire life has been leading to this point. So for me, I'm 45 years old. So my ego has had 45 years of being able to establish an identity. And luckily I was encouraged as a kid with my art and with my making and with my creativity, but. There were things that I latched on to because I got praise for it. It made me feel good. So it became very hard for me to move outside of that realm. So even though I identified with being creative, there were still limitations. My ego still raised up because it wouldn't let me move forward. So the ego has this very narrowly defined notion of who we are, of, of the self, and it fights us. And so it's that voice in our heads. It could be the voice of a parent who discouraged us. It could be the voice of a teacher or some other adult that, that told us not to follow uh, a creative path. And so the ego can paralyze us, and that's why we can feel like it's it's a block, like it's a, you know, this entity, this thing that's so much bigger, but it's like, it's no, it's just the ego getting in our way. So how do we break that? How do we get out of that? How do we dispel these creative blocks? Well, we have to become present and aware. We have to get in touch with the moment. And just to kind of give you an example, when we are creative, when we're in that zone, we are fully immer- fully immersed in, immersed in the present moment. So whether you're singing, whether you're dancing, if you can really feel yourself in that moment, you know, time just stops. I don't know how often I've been working on a piece of art and I kind of look up and I'm like, really? It's been three hours and it's just like time flies by. So you may have felt that before when you've been creative or maybe whenever you've been doing something where you're not aware of the time. And you're so immersed. You're not thinking about anything other than sort of what's in front of you. So even like right now with this podcast, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you on the microphone and I'm, I'm very much in the moment. I, I'm focusing on the words. I'm focusing on the microphone. I'm, I'm focusing on this narrative that I'm, I'm telling you. I'm not focused on what I'm going to do later today or the bills that I need to pay or... Uh, you know, the emotions that are going through my mind. It's just about, oh, I want to speak this. I want to get this out and share it with everybody. So by becoming very present, we can quiet the ego. The ego fights back. But when we can kind of get in that flow into the zone, then we can become very, very aware. And so I want to talk about more about these creative blocks these these ways that the ego can block us can step in front of us can get in between us and our creativity and that's really the meat the kernel of today's episode Um, but like I said this is something that I've been very excited about over over the years I've thought about it I've been thinking about creativity for a very long time as an artist of course I know sort of how I've dealt with creativity. Um, and as a teacher, I know I've watched students struggle with it. I, I know uh, how they've um, uh, have dealt with it. And so, you know, I, I have that, but also I've done a lot of reading on creativity, but also on other things. So I, I said that, you know, I kind of done a lot of reading on um, Eastern philosophy. And so this is kind of where I, I got this idea so this idea is not anything new so uh, I'm going to share with you sort of three lessons three things that come up for the ego to block us and I wasn't reading about creativity I was reading something else I was reading an author whose name is Eckerd Tolle and you might know of him you might not uh, Eckhart Tolle a, a spiritual guy. He's written a couple books or a few books. Uh, he gives talks all over the world. And uh, he wrote a book called The Power of Now. That was his first book. And if you can't tell by the title, it, it's really about getting in touch with the present moment of being here now and not allowing that ceaseless voice that's in our head to separate us from the, the present moment. So I, I read this book, I don't know how many years ago, uh, but then I read his second book, which I that's the one I like better. It's my favorite of his, of his two main books. So his second book, A New Earth, continues this discussion about being present. And he goes more into, the ego. He goes more into in depth about things, and I, I read it one time, really enjoyed it, and then I went back and reread it. I've probably reread it two or three times, and I'm actually currently rereading it again. But he uses examples from many different religions to kind of help support his his points of view, and uh, but there are three stories that he discusses in there about how to become more present. And when I read them the first time, I never really thought about it, but when I was rereading it, one of the times I was rereading it, it resonated with me. So something like the light bulb went off and there was something in these three lessons, these three stories that he was telling that clicked with me and all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait a minute, creativity can be in there. It sounds like he's talking about creativity. And that's when I made that connection that that creativity was about being present and being aware and about about being here now and losing track of that voice of, of losing track of time of everything else kind of melting away, except for the creative work. And I, that's when I saw and felt that link with creativity. Now I had, I had heard these stories before Like I said I've read a lot of Eastern philosophy Especially Buddhism And these three stories were tied into Buddhist ideas And But I never saw them put together in this way And then at the same time I was really studying and thinking a lot about Creativity So it just like these things clicked So in A New Earth In these three stories that Eckhart Tolle talks about He talks about how we have to be open to non-resistance, non-judgment, and non-attachment. Those are the three lessons that he, he kind of focus on, focuses on in part of, of a new earth. And those terms really struck me. And so what I want to do is for the rest of the episode, the rest of the podcast today, is really talk about how resistance, judgment, and attachment are the ways that the ego keeps us from our potential, keeps us from being creative. It, that, that's the way it keeps the status quo. Because like I said, creativity really involves risks and stepping outside of ourselves means that we could fall, we could stumble, we can fail, and the ego doesn't like that. And also the ego is built up, may, ha- may have built up this identity as as a non-creative person and we might just be challenging that so i'm going to talk about these three like but i'm not going to get into like how to overcome or how to resolve them but just i want you to become aware of these so that as you are creating or as you go to create you can identify you can become aware and just by becoming aware that's the beginning that's where all of a sudden your quality can change because you can, oh, that's just me doing that. That's just my ego coming up. And then you can kind of let it go. So resistance, judgment, and attachment. So let's dive into resistance. So resistance just stops us in our tracks often before we even begin. So it it can prevent us from picking up a pencil, a paintbrush, a sewing needle, a guitar, whatever. And like I said, the ego is all about identity. So this resistance is first and foremost rooted in how we identify ourselves. And so we uh, identify ourselves by you know what we are and what we aren't. What we can and what we can't do. So I'm not an artist. I'm not a writer, I'm not a singer. That's very common for us to, to, to say that. And to be honest, even though I've been making art and involved in art since I was about two years old, it took me the longest time, well into probably my 30s before I really started identifying myself as an artist. You know, I was an art teacher so I always identified myself as a teacher first and then maybe somewhere down the line i would say yeah i'm an artist uh but now it's like i'm an artist and i feel that way i make art not all the time but i am an artist so i identify myself like that but again that's the ego that's the ego coming up saying this is who i am so for a lot of other people though it's like oh i'm not an artist i'm not creative i can't draw i can't paint i can't play the guitar i can't cook I can't I can't I can't. And so those are ways that we identify ourselves. And a lot of times we identify ourselves by diminishing ourselves and by not saying that I'm an, that I'm an artist or a writer. Or a lot of times you'll hear people say, "Well, I'm not a real artist." And it's like you make art, right? Then you're a real artist. If you make if you if you make something that that's art then you're an artist or people I'm not a writer it's like did you write something yes and then you're a writer and but I think a lot of people just want to diminish themselves Um, back I don't know how about 10 years ago I was doing a a week-long seminar with a group of teachers and this was at the North Carolina Center for the Advancement of Teaching and I had you know 24 teachers from across North Carolina, different disciplines. So art teachers, music teachers, librarian, chemistry teachers. So, you know, 25 different teachers. And at the beginning of the week of this seminar, at the very beginning, we're sitting around in a circle where we're introducing ourselves. And it was really interesting going around that circle because so many people didn't identify themselves as artists. And so, you know, here I am. With my buddy Dave, my fellow journal fodder junkie, sitting there running this seminar, and you know they see us as artists, so they were like, "Oh, I'm not an artist. I'm, I'm a piddler, a piddler and a dabbler." That's that's the term, the the terms that really stick out whenever I think about how we diminish ourselves. I'm a piddler and a dabbler. In other words, I kind of do this stuff, but I'm not really an artist. I'm not really A singer. I'm not really a dancer. So I piddle in it and I dabble in it And again, that's just the ego Like coming up saying like, you know, don't even identify yourself as an artist because somebody's gonna come along and knock you down And you're gonna do something where like, you know, a real artist wouldn't do that And so it's just the way we identify ourselves and I see this a lot on social media especially with a lot of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of that people will post an image and they have to qualify it from the very beginning. I'm not really an artist or I don't really know what I'm doing. And so we have that identity and that's resistance. So anytime like the ego uses that it's resisting, like even labeling ourselves as an artist, even saying that we, that we are creative. Another way that we, Resist that the ego can resist is avoidance. This is really, a, I think, a big problem, especially nowadays with technology and, you know, like TV, like the, that the fact that you can watch a TV show without actually watching TV, or you could sit down and binge watch an entire series in, in a day or a weekend. So we're glued to our devices. So computers, uh, smartphones, TVs that we get so distracted I mean I, you, you've probably seen it where people are walking down the street and they walk into something because they're looking at their phone talk about not being in the present moment they're not even aware that there's this big thing right in their path and they're going to step right into it and so I know for myself I find that you know I, ha- I usually have my phone in the studio with me and there are times that I'll just kind of look over and go oh well I'll just check Facebook and then like 45 minutes later, I'm still on my phone and I'm thinking, okay, I, I've made time to be in my studio to work on my art, to do something that I said I wanted to do, but now I'm avoiding it and I've been buried in this electronic device for 45 minutes. So technology isn't the only way that we avoid our, avoid our creativity, You know, our chores, our family, our work. And, you know, yeah, those are all important and we don't want to neglect them, but it's amazing to me how much, uh, how attractive laundry becomes whenever I, I decide to come out to the studio. And it's like, I look over and I'm like, oh, the laundry could be done. Oh, the dishes need to be done. And even coming out before, you know, uh, coming out to, to record this episode, I was like, oh, I need to do the dishes. I didn't need to, but I did them. <clears throat> but now I am out here. I am in the moment. I am recording this. But it is amazing how things distract us. It's like we, we all become ADHD when we decide that we, we're going to be creative. Like, oh, look over here. Oh, look over there. Anything to avoid doing the creative work. And again, that's the ego. So the ego is distracting us with meaningless and mindless activities so that we don't have to be creative so we don't have to challenge that identity so that we don't have to to make something that's risky and and make a mistake and challenge who we think we are but of course we can also resist things along the way so even if we do manage to get started if we have the materials a lot of times we can resist Ideas and things as we're working. So we can resist new ideas. We can resist suggestions and guidance from others. We can resist stepping outside of our comfort zones. We just kind of do what we do because we're comfortable with it. And it's part of our identity. So I know uh, when I teach a lot of classes that I do have students who are just totally resistant to anything, any suggestion, any idea that you try to give them. And I sort of scratched my head and I'm like, why are you here? Because that's a nice thing now about not teaching in public school. My students are there because they've chosen to be. And it's like, why did you choose to be here if you're going to be so resistant to everything that I say? Every, every suggestion. I'm not saying that I'm the expert that I know it all, but it's like, I think I know a thing or two. And, you know, anytime that I'm in a class, I I do, I, I try to remind myself like, okay, be open. Let's see what I can get out of this, especially if I'm paying money for it. But resistance, resistance is one of the main ways that the ego blocks us. And it prevents us from either getting started completely or prevents us from progressing. The second way the ego ego does this is through judgment. And this one probably seems much more of a no, no brainer because I believe we all have this inner critic, that little voice that says, you know, who do you think you are? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not skilled enough. It's the little thought in our head that, that uh, says, you know, your artwork's ugly. That's no good. It's never going to be great. You're not creative. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's not even critiquing, it's criticizing. So it's this negative criticism and it's this voice like running through our heads. And some, sometimes it's like, it's our own voice, or it could be a voice of a parent. It could be the voice of, of a teacher who was really critical of you. Um, but it's just another way for the, the, um, the, uh, the ego I lost my train of thought. Um, It's another way for the ego to get in our way. So if it can convince you that, hey, that's ugly, why are you even bothering with that? Oh, you're no good, then you're gonna stop. You're gonna be afraid to, to do it. Along the same lines is what I call the comparing critic. So we have our inner critic, but then we also have this critic that likes to compare us. It's the ego, the ego compares us to others almost in a way to prove that we're not any good. So whether you're you know, looking at an artist online or you're in a workshop and you're looking at the person sitting next to you, it's so easy for us, for that little voice in our heads to say, oh, that person is so awesome, that person is so good, I'll never be like them. And oftentimes though, what I find is that like, you know, people that say that people who think that, that their artwork is actually really pretty awesome. But it's that, you know, that inner critic that's saying, oh, your stuff sucks. And then that comparing critic going, that person's really good. It's a false comparison because we, if we look at it logically, we're all at different, different parts on this journey, on this creative journey. So some people might have much more experience than you. So I have 40 years of experience with drawing and painting. So I feel like I'm pretty good at that. But there are some things, like when I first started doing polymer clay, man, there's a large learning curve. And I still feel like I'm, I'm, it's only been a few years, but I still feel like I haven't mastered it. Not the way I, I have mastered drawing and painting. So if I'm looking at somebody else's polymer clay stuff going, oh, why can't mine be like that? Then again, I'm comparing myself. But then sometimes it, the opposite is true that we compare ourselves and we basically put other people down to make ourselves feel good. And so like, oh, look, that person sucks more than mine. And then that makes us feel better, but it doesn't help us be creative. Um, it just just helps us feel like we have more status than somebody else. Uh, but this comparing critic often is, is about competition, you know, us versus them. They're better than I am or I'm better than they are. And that can get in our way of, of our creativity. It's the way the ego proves the status quo that are, that the identity that we've built really is what it is and that it's not going to measure up to other people. So judgment, judgment is an easy way for the ego to stop us in our tracks. The third lesson, the third idea, the third creative block is attachment. So the ego can use attachment by clinging and grasping to things, usually identity. Usually, you know, since the ego is all about how we identify ourselves, it will grasp and it will cling to that. So, you know, going back to that notion of that, you know, we're creative or we're not, we're artistic or we're not, we're musical or we're not. Um, So the, our egos have built that into our, our, our identity. And so if you've spent your life as an accountant and working with numbers and all of a sudden you want to sing then the ego is gonna say, nope, sorry, you're an accountant. It's gonna to cling to that identity. It's, it's attached to that identity. And it doesn't wanna let go because there's risk involved. You're challenging that identity. And so we're also attached to our ideas. So we're attached to our identities, but we're also attached to our ideas so this goes back to the to the notion of resistance. Whenever I was talking about how sometimes students are resistant to ideas or like if you give them some advice, same thing with ideas that they're so attached to things, you know, it's like, oh, this is what I do and this is how I do it. And nothing you say can or will make me change my mind. And so it's what we're comfortable with. It's what maybe we've gotten praise for in the past. And so. I don't wanna jeopardize this and try something else because I might fail and not get the praise that I got from doing this one thing. I think back to, to when I was in high school and I loved portraits and I loved drawing people and I did that for years and years and years and that was the thing that I was really comfortable with. It was the thing that I got a lot of praise for, but now I don't, I don't do portraits. Actually, I get a little bored with them and if I do use a face or a person I use an image or a tracing or an image transfer I don't I don't draw portraits like I used to I mean I used to be really good at it but that doesn't really interest me me now because I was able to let that go but still now in the artwork I make I, I can still be attached to ideas and it's hard sometimes to let go of them so that I can try something new so not only can we be a attached to our identities or to our ideas, we can be attached to our materials. And so uh, sometimes people are attached to certain pens when they when they write and like, oh no, I don't have any more of my favorite pen. This one's out of ink. Oh, I can't write. Or uh, some people are really attached to certain instruments. Um, you know, it's like, oh, I can play the guitar, but I don't want to play this even though they might be able to, or maybe they wanna stretch themselves. Um, for, for me, I can really think of it as, in uh, artist terms, is being attached to our materials, like, you know, oh, I really love to use paint or acrylic paint, and I don't like anything else. Or thinking about the blank page or a blank canvas, that sometimes people are afraid to mess it up. So whether it's a page in a sketchbook or a big canvas, they stare at that blank, empty space, and they freeze because, oh, I might mess up this pristine surface, and then then what? Oh, I've just wasted whatever. I, I, I just don't understand that because, you know, at the most, it's like, okay, if you mess up the canvas, you paint over it. If you mess up a chunk of clay, you, you, you ball it back up. You know, if you mess up a piece of paper. It's like you erase it or you start over or you get another piece of paper. But I think there's something about that crisp, clean, brand new surface that like feels perfect. And we don't want to mess with perfection. And it's just a way for us to be attached to something so that we don't get started, so that we don't do what we really want to do. So I think the ego is really about diminishing ourselves oftentimes because we have this identity that we're, you know, we're not artists, that we're not creative. So we put ourselves down. Um, we go on and on about how uncreative or untalented or unworthy we are. And again, because the ego has this identity wrapped up so we, you know, we can play victim. A lot of people have this identity about being a victim. And so it's easy to resist our own creativity, to judge ourselves and other people, to be attached to certain things so that we can just sit there and say, Oh no, I'm not creative. Or, you know, I could write an awesome novel if I had a good writing room and a brand new computer and a nice comfy chair. And uh, you know, the weather was always perfect. And um, so if we're always waiting for the perfect, the perfect situation. Again, that's just the ego coming up so that we don't have to risk. So if we can just play it safe, the ego can just sort of keep that identity. We don't challenge it. Uh, It can revel in its own complaining and putting others down and all that kind of stuff. And it it can keep the status quo. And, and that's that's where those creative blocks come from. It's all about the ego. And so I I really f- latched onto these three because I, I think they capture anything else that we can kind of think of as a creative block. And if you were to Google creative blocks, you might come up with a list of like 50 of them from different sources. But for me, I really want to uh, be able to sort of Pair it down to like easy things to remember. So it's easy to remember resistance, judgment, attachment. And then, you know, those 50 things that this other person might have come up with probably will fit in one or more of those categories. So, you know, fear and doubt, a lot of times people will bring that up. Well, again, that's just fear and doubt comes up because of the ego. So if we think of our creativity, a lot of times the ego is going to try to get between us and it. And for many of us, the ego has, the ego has, has been in between ourselves and our creativity for our entire lives. So we're challenging these very entrenched notions of ourselves, of our creativity. So, I want you to be aware of that. I want you to, um, you know, as you're working, as you're doing whatever creative endeavor you're doing, that you are aware that, Oh, that moment there I was just resisting something or, Oh, that judgment came in. I was just comparing myself to this other person. And so when, like I was saying before, if you can become aware of it, it can start to melt away, uh, we're not going to dispel it. We're not going to like just chuck it out. You you just can't do that. But by be bringing awareness to it, it's like shining light on it. All of a sudden we can kind of see it like, Oh, that's just the ego. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm the most worthless, uncreative person in the world. What it means is that my ego believes that, but I want to be present. I want to be in the moment. And so the quality of our creativity can change when we become aware when we're resisting when we're judging when we are being attached to our identities or our ideas or our materials so take some time think about that try to become aware try to get in the moment so whatever whatever your creative endeavor is just whenever you hear that little voice in your head, just recognize that, recognize it as that little voice, that little ego voice that's coming up, trying to get in your way and then just sort of let it go. And you'd be surprised at how the quality of your creativity can start to change. So like I said, in, in upcoming episodes, I I will address these more, talk more about how maybe we can, overcome or work with or deal with these creative blocks these um, ways that the ego keep us from doing our creative work uh, but in the meantime thanks again for joining me i hope you got something out of it and i haven't said this before but i'm gonna do a little shameless self-promotion right now um, if you haven't checked out the rest of the website uh, www www.journalfodderjunkies.com that's the website that I have with my buddy Dave uh, but there's a blog that's where the podcast is uh, housed that's where um, I have an online shop there's all kinds of other resources there I'm also on Facebook and Instagram Twitter which I don't use as much but uh, you know check that out you know like follow do do the things that you do on those sites but uh hope i hope you've been enjoying the podcast and i'm looking forward to bringing you more about creativity and creative blocks so thank you and happy creating This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining.